I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. Joined, as always, by my co-host, co-owner, co-founder, co-everything at ImportantNonsense.com, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, we're back. How you doing? We are back. That's right. That's right, people. Spread out. Get ready. We're back. This has been a lovely hiatus, and a lot has happened. Boy, if you, when we left the air in in January, folks, uh, nobody could have predicted that six months later, when we return for your weekly—that's right, weekly—Wednesday show starts nice and early around here, that we would have so many different challenges and factors that that I would have told you it was impossible for it to move that quickly. So. Th- Thrilled to be back. Thrilled to be back pumping out the nonsense and the distractions. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing to me, too, when you think about the fact that this is actually year three for us doing this. And when you go back and think about it, if you've been a loyal listener to this show, if you've been following important nonsense from the beginning... And you know that when we first started, it was just me and Neil grinding away, getting the stuff done, putting everything up on the website, regular podcasts, but regular weekly content came out in August. And then in 2018, we went out and we got Aiden and we added a third guy and we expanded. And then last year expanded even more and started on July 1. And you're used to, oh, well, those guys, they just hibernate. They disappear after the January closeout show, and then I'll just come back in July when they return. If you are just now checking in, because you're so used to us not starting anything until now, boy, do you have a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) There has been so much content up on the website. Also, the website is totally different, so you start there. Yeah. The website. If you've been gone for six months, you should check out the website because it does not look like the old 2002 GeoSites website that we used to push along with us. <laughs> yeah. Pro Tools, baby. Pro Tools now. Important yeah, ex- Nonsense has a I budget? Mean, Since when? Right. So, I mean, there's been an update <laughs> to the website. Uh, we continued to push out Dynasty content all spring. So if you're a Dynasty player, you've missed out on all of that. We, of course, had our draft coverage. We had two draft podcasts. We had a ranking summit with everybody, and we had two podcasts related to the ranking summit. We also put out player projections for the first time on the website ever. Normally, we'll put up numbers and statistics, and it's uh, you know uh, what we've compiled from other sites, and that's been our go-to of, hey, this is the consensus. This is what we're using in our metrics. This is what you should be looking at. But no, we actually put pen to paper. I actually went through... And built a baseline, and then we got together as a group and made consensus projections, which are nice and beautiful and up in our draft tools on the website. So 
yeah, player projections for the first time on the website. It's a sortable table as opposed it's, to oh, a static table, gorgeous. just like it's 2020 and you know we're catching up to 2015. Exactly. I mean, we're doing it. Also, as you, when you go to that website, you may start seeing, wait, this isn't Neil, this isn't Steve, and this isn't Aiden. Who are these other 17 people that are producing <laughs> content in the background? And why all the Canadians? Yeah, really. And the answer is we love the Canadians and they love us. Well, it's because they haven't. They, they'll, they'll, they'll get tired of us eventually. Everyone does. But let me, let me tell you right now, this is it. We have 20 people. We've got a whole staff now. We've got Dr. Dynasty, an actual PhD writing Dynasty content for us for reasons that still confuse me. But we love John Chansey. Shameless plug for John Chansey, who you may have heard on last Friday's show. He's great. He's our Dynasty editor, along with his staff. So we now have it all. We're yeah, trying. We, we're going to be. We had all those new shop. guys last year. We brought a majority of them back. Uh, we also added in a few new guys this year. If you are joining us for the first time in 2020, then you're probably thinking, "Hey, what the hell is up with this brand new intro?" That is Tim Kitzrow. He is our new announcer for uh, the show, so we're very excited to have Tim on board for that. Life goal achieved, by the exactly. way, for those of us of a certain age. Uh, we also put out a monkey knife fight piece at the beginning of the uh, the year for the Super Bowl, and from that we were able to to gain an affiliate membership with them. So monkey knife fight is on board for us this year. That kind of spun into a whole sports betting area of the website that is newly developed that we're working on for this year. We added an IDP guy. We became a Fantasy Pros affiliate. Been added to the expert consensus. Uh, we have their draft tools as part of our website now as well, so you can go to importantnonsense.com, click through there to get to all the draft tools, uh, like the draft analyzer, the cheat sheet creator, the auction value tool, so much stuff for you to use all through the website. We have a new sponsor, shout out to Manscaped. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Treat yourself. And, Treat uh, yourself. And then Monday, I've got the Scott Fish Bowl, and I'll be representing Important Nonsense. And we got everybody excited about that, uh, helping me out for the draft next week. So there's just that's, so that's, much happening. That's how official we are, ladies and gentlemen. Three years ago, the website that started basically in a storage unit in Mesa, Arizona, with no money and two guys trying to live out a frustrated dream, has now made it into the Scott Fish Bowl. Shout out to Manscaped. Welcome on board. We love you guys. Love everything you do. <laughs> Shout out to Fantasy Pros for finally admitting that we're a real boy and we have no strings and we get to be part of the ECR and deal with all the pros and the pro tools. Shout out to them. Love you. And shout out to to Daryl and Vishal for stepping up and doing the sports betting piece. That's amazing. And Never AJ, had that new hire. Yep. And AJ, new hire. And shout out to Monkey Knife Fight. We love you. And uh, thanks for allowing us we, to get down with you, you guys all. early. And just love glad you all. They appreciate, glad they appreciate the nonsense. And shout out especially to Tim, because that's a childhood dream right there, my friend. And I love it. So thank, thank you for that. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I mean, a lot to do. From this offseason, like I said, if you are just now catching up with us, there is so much to go back and see. Make sure you go to importantnonsense.com and check it all out. For the rest of this summer, though, be sure to check out all the content we are putting out. We have our weekly player profiles uh, from Aiden's crew over there. We have news from each of the divisions, basically a different day every week. 
like I said, the sports betting guys are working on over-unders and different prop plays that you can play throughout the summer. Uh, Jack, you know Jack Cavanaugh from the other show. He's working on a couple of different podcasts, bringing content to you. Listen to it if you want, I guess. Sure, whatever. Uh, He put that out uh, two episodes already. He did Redraft 101 and Dynasty 101. Uh, We'll be working on the 201 series for redraft with him, the advanced drafting uh, and other content throughout the summer. So be on the lookout for that. And then me and Neil, of course, doing our usual thing here with divisional breakdowns on a weekly basis. Well, and also starting Wednesday, seven, eight for the first time ever, the trade section goes live, ladies and gentlemen, with the first inaugural trade table written by myself and Wes Smith, not no relation. Our only (laughs) UK, uh, contributor across the pond across the pond it's probably asleep right now probably asleep right now or he should be yeah definitely should be i don't know if he actually is i don't know what he's actually doing yeah so couldn't be happier with that look check that out for all your uh for all your trading needs all right neil well we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to get into our first division here which is the afc north Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Neil, we're going to get into the divisions. Uh, Just a reminder, obviously, if you're brand new to us or just a refresher for uh, the loyal nonsense nation out there, all advice, rankings, and data are based on a typical 12-team PPR league. When I say typical, that, of course, means 16 players, so 10 starters, one QB, two running back, three wide receiver, a tight end, a flex, a defense, and unfortunately, a kicker. Six bench players. The expert consensus, of course, comes from fantasy pros. 
we will be listing our consensus as well as mine and Neil's ranks. And then the ADP information comes from our guys at fantasyfootballcalculator.com. Shout out to those guys. So starting in the AFC North, you got the defending AFC North champs, the Baltimore Ravens. Only real move of note in the offseason is they traded tight end Hayden Hurst to Atlanta, which is a hot topic of debate. And we will get into that when we get to the NFC South. But this is the AFC North, Neil. So we don't care about that right now. (laughs) We'll get there when we get there. Right now we care about Lamar. That's what we care about. The reigning NFL MVP. Lamar Jackson, expert consensus, QB2. You should all be ashamed of yourself. Wrong, Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. What is wrong with you people? You're wrong. Here, look, I will tell you this. I appreciate Patrick Mahomes for what he is, okay? He is probably, at this point, the best pure passer in the NFL. No one can argue that. You could probably say that at this point, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. We're not talking about NFL football. We're talking about fantasy football. And the rushing floor for Lamar Jackson is so insane that in our projections, I have Lamar Jackson taking a dramatic hit, rushing significantly less, and still being 40 points clear of Patrick Mahomes. So this is not some, like, oh, it's so close, you're splitting hairs. No, Lamar Jackson and his rushing floor makes him the clear QB1 for me, for our consensus, for you, we, we all agree it's the expert consensus that's wrong. We're, but again, you're nitpicking at one spot, really. Well, also, not the only time we'll be referencing the expert consensus being wrong. True. And what I was going to say in the middle there is, and it's all down to the rushing floor, but the, also the rushing touchdowns. You yes. just are not going to get those rushing touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes unless he's suddenly turned into Cam Newton. And we'll get there when we get there. But But that's... But that's there's no possible way. I mean, he does run the ball some, but the the floor is much much better with much Jackson. much higher. It's the whole offense is different. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are not suddenly going to run the option. Yeah, that's not happening. And I agree with you on the idea that Mahomes, when we you know when we get there, he probably is the best pure passer in the yeah. NFL right now in terms of what he can do, and he can do things that no one else can do. So, so the only debate not- really here to talk about with Lamar Jackson. You know, QB2 and ADP as well. The general public loves Mahomes more. Whatever, it is what it is. Um, But he's going in round two, pick nine. For me, if you're going to go quarterback early, that feels about right. But that feels about right for me as the QB1, not not QB2. So would you agree with that ADP as it is, late second round? Because really you're talking about Essentially, okay, I get a top five running back, and then a majority of the top five wide receivers have gone. So when it gets to me in round two, well, I've got a top five running back, I take the number one quarterback in Lamar, and then maybe I take one of those other wide receivers in the third round, or hell, I go with the tight end. Who knows? Absolutely. And so what I would say is that sounds about right for the QB1, because as we know, we give this advice every year, and I'm a firm believer in this. I've written articles about this. I'm sure I'll write another one this year because it seems that we have to keep driving this point home. 
everybody overvalues quarterback, even in the ECR, even at the so-called expert level. Yeah. And it's just something, it's a function of our projections and our rankings. You don't want to overpay for quarterback, even if it's Lamar. And we're talking about, he's our one. And that's where, frankly, the ACR is going to end up, the ECR is going to end up saying, well, no, you should be looking at Mahomes where you guys are looking at Lamar. And it's like, yeah, but you just apply that logic all the way down. Right. That's just how that's going to be. Yeah. So no, probably won't again, own, to actually be clear, own Lamar in many Lamar, leagues. Right. To own Lamar would be great, but I don't really want to pay that price. Again, as good as he is, as great as he is, as great as Mahomes is, two years ago, Patrick Mahomes' ADP was going quarterback 18. Last year, Lamar Jackson' ADP was going QB 14. They both finished as QB 1, and they both outpaced each other for the greatest quarterback seasons of all time. So it, it is easily achievable to find someone in the late rounds at quarterback that will pay off as a top five or even apparently the number one guy. And there are a bunch well, of options we will get through. Everybody hated through these. Dak last year, except me. Yeah. And now he's, you're going to have to pay sticker for Dak at QB three in the consensus. It's just, there's so many ways to make hay at this position that paying full sticker for anything really is not the philo our philosophy team building wise, I'd say, yep. both individually and as a show. That's just not going to be what we recommend. Well, moving on to running back here, the big debate, which has been surprising to me, uh, has been Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Ingram was a monster last year. We can all agree with that. We all wondered, though, remember, our biggest question last offseason was how would Mark Ingram hold up? As the primary guy, he was always splitting carries with Camara or somebody in New Orleans. He was never just the guy all on his own. So he goes to Baltimore. He dominates the first half of the year and then he gets hurt, misses two games, falters near the back end of the fantasy season and the actual NFL season. And they go out and they spend a second round pick on J.K. Dobbins. Everybody wants to kind of appoint J.K. Dobbins as the guy already uh expert consensus has ingram at rb 23 and dobbins at rb 40 i'm all right with that uh i've got him 25 for ingram because i do feel like as good as he was he's still going to get cut into some but i have dobbins at 47 I, i'm just i'm not there right now our site consensus is RB26 for Ingram, so I'm a little bit higher, and Dobbins at 37, much higher than me. ADP has RB26 on Ingram, so about where I am, but 32 for Dobbins. People love the new shiny toy, Neil, as we know. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to scare me off because I actually love Mark Ingram. I'm higher than everybody. I'm higher than the website at our important nonsense consensus. I'm higher than you. I'm higher than the industry. I've got him at RB1944 overall because it speaks to something I believe about Mark Ingram. He ain't dead yet. And y'all want to just say, yeah. okay, well, he's done. It's over. He's on the wrong side of 30. He was hurt last year. He's been hurt a bunch of times. And I understand he's on the wrong side of 30, but this isn't dynasty people. Like I could almost get there with you if we're talking about dynasty on some of these Dobbins rankings. That would make a lot of sense if you wanted to go that direction and talk about the life and career of the player. But this is redraft focus, folks. This is one season. We're not even talking about keepers or anything like that. Obviously, that changes everything. But for strictly redraft, which is what the thrust of this is, I think they're going to treat Mark Ingram kind of like a rental car. There Let me go. ask you a question. What's the fastest car on the road? 
the fastest the car, car. All, yeah. you can have. Exactly. Rental car. A yeah. rental car. And it's just going to, they're just going to force it through Mark Ingram until he, I think, almost inevitably goes ping. But I think he's going to be much more on that clip he was on in the first half again as they kind of cycle in Dobbins. And we'll see if he falls off towards the end. But I think there's a lot of meat on that bone. And if you're telling me I can have Mark Ingram for the price tag that people are willing to pay, I'm going to own Mark Ingram in every league. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot this spring. You brought up an extremely good point. The way that his contract is structured, Mark Ingram can be let go at the end of this season for nothing. And J.K. Dobbins then becomes the heir apparent to that backfield that rushes more than any backfield in the NFL. So, yes, Dobbins for next year, Dobbins for dynasty, Dobbins long term, I can absolutely see it. But they are going to force feed Mark Ingram. They are going to run him into the ground. They're going to take year. all the tread off these tires. Yep. There's going to be nothing every left on Mark penny Ingram. Out that. of that contract, they possibly can. And they are going to just utilize Mark Ingram in every facet possible. I think he is going to be a steal for his current ADP. Steal. So I definitely love that. Uh, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, do we want to mention that? I mean, they're still on the team. They're there. They're, but, they're there. But not I mean, they're I'm going undrafted. In. We have them ranked undrafted. I don't think they're really worth talking about. I mean, that I wouldn't even they're, make a flyer on them. They're just so. names to know for the waiver wire, guys. That's that's, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, that's your waiver wire to know for when we get into week fourteen. Yeah. At that point, we can talk about those two. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers, we've got Marquise Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. I missed that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, he is 73 overall in the expert consensus, wide receiver 33. In our staff consensus, wide receiver 32. I've got him 34. You've got him 34. I mean, I think we're all basically on the same page. ADP's wide receiver 28. Public <laughs> loves them some yeah. Hollywood Brown. This to me is the shiny new toy thing again. This is a replicate. It's a manifestation of that because no one is going to sit here, especially not this show, and debate the talent of Mr. Hollywood Brown. That's not yeah. an argument I'm going to win. I think he's look. I think we've got him appropriately rated for what he is. It's yeah. just people love him because I think he's a younger player. I think they think incorrectly that Lamar is going to suddenly get hugely more accurate and they're going to throw more. I think he'll get more accurate to a point, but that's not how the NFL works. People don't usually just suddenly become significantly more accurate overnight like even with work so for me little little scary uh paying that kind of a price tag you're you're making a lot of assumptions on hollywood brown also the injury history and that's what i that's that's the other thing that i think is worth noting here well look i mean the re if you just go by the numbers right so hollywood brown in our projections comes in with 64 receptions for 790 yards six touchdowns and ends up at wide receiver 34, which is exactly where I slotted him. And the biggest question mark for me, he was a huge flash in the pan those first five games, but from that point on, basically, he was really disappointing if you were putting him in your lineup every single week. So we've talked a lot about this offseason. Is it uh, the sophomore slump or the second-year leap? Or what did we say? Sophomore slump, second year jump. That's what I keep throwing in Jack's That's face. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to get the you got to get the rhyme. Got to get the rhyme in there. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, specifically for Jack. Hey Jack, there you go. 
<laughs> sophomore slump, second year jump, Hollywood Brown. And for me, I think at 34, I feel good. That's the back end of wide receiver three. The way that I draft, you know, if I have them ranked as a wide receiver three, they're going to be my fourth wide out. Because yes. ideally, I'd like to have two of the top 12. And then anybody I have in like the 13 to 24 range, I want as my wide receiver three. Because I'm just a wide receiver psychopath, and that's how I operate. To me, the one that's more interesting, and I feel like has a little bit more meat on the bone, is Miles Boykin. Another second-year receiver who did not flash like Hollywood did in his rookie year. So now he's got a full year in the offense. He's going undrafted currently. You can have him for literally nothing at the back end of your draft or off of waivers. And then you've got rookie Devin Duvernay, who could That's absolutely beat him for that job. I have them ranked right next to each other. One of them will emerge as the wide receiver, too. Sorry, Willie yeah. Sneed. One of them will emerge as the wide receiver, too. I just don't know which one. And then we'll get into the tight ends in a second, who they're going to have to also compete with for, for targets. Yeah, and that's the real wide receiver one on the team is actually the tight end. But, you know, that's that's neither. <laughs> that's that's right. part of the problem with the wide receivers, you know, in Baltimore. So, no, I think I think of the we've, – we've both got – I'm a little bit lower on Boykin than you are, but it's literally like two spots. And we are a little bit lower than industry consensus on Boykin. But the nice thing about Boykin and 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 I what I think is more interesting is actually Devin Duvernay. And I don't want to fall into that shiny new toy thing completely. It's just we saw Boykin last year that it was sloppy. And and uh, and Devin Duvernay comes out of college as a really polished prospect. He on paper is a really good fit. And I can have both of them. I don't even have to draft a- any of this. I can in all likelihood secure either of those two off the waiver wire after my draft for the and, free and just feel great about my life. Right. And I, I love you, Willie Sneed, but wide receiver 113 for me. So it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not something you want. Yeah, I, I only, I only projected out to 110. So he didn't even make my page. There you go. Yeah. So he's, he's way down there at the bottom, but Duvernay yeah. and Boyk and I agree with you. We've got, we see that fairly eye to eye. Yep. Um, it, do you care for the purposes of redraft? Sounds like no, just to nail that home. Either one good with you? I know you've well, both no. Like I said, those are both interesting guys higher. for me to take a flyer. It, those are late round guys where if I'm going to again, not something I I advertise, but if you're going to be that guy who takes a 13th round defense and a 14th round kicker because you got to have the best one, uh, then in the 15th, 16th round when you're just taking dart throw shots in the dark, I mean, you you can do worse than Boykin and Duvernay. Yeah, uh, I would. That, I would take a shot. My point on is, they're one. so low that you don't even, in all likelihood, yeah. end up having to draft them if you don't want to. But yeah. they would be worth a late round flyer if you were so inclined to do so. But at the yeah. same time, do you, you and I, I don't follow strictly to the letter your wide receiver strategy. Uh, but <laughs> no, the, uh, really, no, no one. Tell does. me more. No, no one does. Yeah. No, folks, just because it's an intro show, this is one of our yeah. points of contention. <laughs> is that I'm not, I'm not doing that. So it's a, uh, I can't have no running backs. I'm not doing this with you. Yep. It's uh, it's one of those situations where, though, for these two guys, if you wanted to take a flyer in the 15th round, that's the, you could do significantly worse. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't have to. Don't feel pot committed. Like you, This yeah. is the hot ticket flyer for you. And then everybody else, frankly, I don't even think 
qualify. Nah, so we not worth well mentioning. Let's move on to uh, Mark Andrews. I think this one definitely is wrong by the expert consensus. They they still the only reason I'm saying that because again we're we're nitpicking right. Mark Andrews they have it 44 overall tight end four. Uh, we have it in our staff consensus 37 overall tight end three. I've got him 26, as do you, tight end three. So you're really talking about one spot at the tight end position. What I think is fundamentally wrong, though, is the number three guy they have is Zach Ertz. And I think that there is not much difference between what Andrews is doing, what Kittle is doing, and what Kelsey is accomplishing in KC. He is in that big three. We had a big three last year, and I think there's a big three again, but Ertz is not part of it anymore. The injuries and uh, Godard, yeah, are just they're they're throwing away any value you're getting by taking Ertz that early in the draft. That's atrocious to me. That makes me physically nauseous. You're, I'm not, I can't exactly. Crazy pill. It's 100 percent correct. There's no way that that we can co-sign as a website the idea that it's Ertz over Andrews. No, not doing that. Not with what we just alluded to with him having to split targets almost with Goddard and the injuries on top of it. And uh, Mark Andrews, as I alluded to before, he is the wide receiver one on the Ravens at this point. When they throw, that's where they're looking first and second and sometimes third. That that is, he is so involved. His usage rate is criminally misunderstood. He is out there on every play when he's like theoretically possible. So no, it's, it's Mark Andrews is the guy you want. And what's nice is given where we have him ranked, this is another one where you're probably going to own Mark Andrews yeah. in a lot of leagues if you're listening to us. Yeah, last year Baltimore threw to the tight end 42.5% of the time. That was far and away yeah. number one in the league. Tight end dominated their air market share. I dropped it in our projections to 34%. I gave the wide receivers benefit of the doubt. And I still have Andrews with 75 catches for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns as the tight end three. And I and, pe- and I pulled back on his numbers from last year. Well, that's what I didn't understand. Go listen to the to the to the breakdowns we did, folks. If you didn't get them when we did the projections, that's what I didn't get in the. People wanted us to be more conservative than that, and I'm sitting there like I feel that this is already very conservative, guys. <laughs> I feel like, like this, this is too is much. Very conservative, and you wanted us to cut it more. Yeah, and then people start talking about Devin Duvernay, and then I realize, oh yeah, that's right. People aren't logical. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there we go. Uh, Ravens defense is the Ravens defense. I mean, I don't think we need to spend any time on that. Well, only to is. say that the the number one defense never repeats, and I know they weren't technically number one, but also please do not feel obligated to spend anything other than you should be getting the Ravens with the first pick of like the sixteenth round. You know what I mean? The second mm-hmm. to last round before you take your kicker. That's when the Ravens go. If yeah. you're going to do that or the third pick of that round, however we no, have it will never happen, but yeah. it'll never happen because there's always that guy, but a yearly PSA that we'll make a few times. I'm sure do not reach on defense just because they were good last year, especially that is a logical fallacy that will bite you. Uh, we move on to the new look Cincinnati Bengals. They cut Andy Dalton after they used the number one pick on Joe Burrow to no one's surprise. Uh, their 2019 first round pick, Their left tackle, Jonah Williams, is coming back from his season-ending injury last year, as is A.J. Green, theoretically. So we'll we'll see how that actually plays out this year. 
still, still bitter. bitter. Still bitter. <laughs> Probably at least through one more season. <laughs> at least. Uh, if he makes it that long. So Joe Burrow is the new guy in charge of the backfield there for the Cincinnati Bengals. He is currently expert consensus QB 19. That's where our consensus has him. I've got him 20. You've got him 18. I don't think there's a ton to talk about here with Joe Burrow. I mean, there's certainly upside, sure. but... It's it's where you're going to end up having to pay to get some upside. So much more interested in this conversation for dynasty purposes. For redraft, it's kind of like, eh, maybe he's Daniel Jones in year one and I get some quality starts, which is how he ends up at 18 to 20 range. The only argument I can really make for it uh, is that ADP, he's also going QB 17. So it's right in line with literally everything else. QB 17, that puts him in the 11th round, 8th pick overall. Look, if if you're telling me I can have Joe Burrow at 11-8 and maybe I have to pay a 10th round pick to get ahead of it and grab him, if Cincinnati's defense is as bad as they were and as bad as they appear to be on paper, Joe Burrow is going to throw the ball a heck of a lot this year. And there's yeah, an absolute they, possibility he outkicks that QB 19 projection. It's very possible, even with them doing what I think will end up happening, and Joe Mixon, who we'll get into here, will just dominate the second half, the back half again, when they're not even in any of these games. <laughs> and they're just game managing yeah. to another very high draft pick, because to your point, that defense is sorry on paper. Oh, man, they did not do much to fix that. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. I stood here on my soapbox last year preaching preaching for Joe Mixon, trying to get people to come over to my side, and no, he's inconsistent, he's garbage, Joe Mixon is terrible. One person who will remain nameless, Jason Draven, that works for our website, refused to believe that Joe Mixon could actually produce and be a decent fantasy running back. In the second half of last year, Joe Mixon crushed it. He hit every metric and every expectation that I had, and I was so proud. And now somehow I have become the guy that hates Joe Mixon. I don't know what happened. That's not fair. Jason's not part of enough of this to 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 count to his 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 projections and rankings would firmly put him in the basement <laughs> on the Joe. Come on, come on, man. That's fair. You, that, know, you know what? That's true. It's that's just true. of the polling body is the way to phrase that because we had so a look, lot of people, but no, not him. The expert consensus has Joe Mixon at number nine overall, running back seven. He's number ten. Running back seven in our site consensus. You've got him at nine, running back seven. I have him at running back nine, 14 overall. I'm five spots lower than the expert consensus. I have two backs ahead of Joe Mixon on my list. Do I think Joe Mixon is a good back? Yes, absolutely. Am I concerned about that offensive line still? And Joe Mixon's inability to put together consistent games back to back to back, 100%. I would still take him in the top 10, but I've seen people in the industry have him as high as six, and I can't co sign that. I get queasy knees on that. I've seen that too, and I, I get, I balk at that one. But no, for me, I'm right in line with the industry, and it's mostly because it speaks to the huge cliff at running back that now exists, with the league shifting to running back by committee, and a lot, it's almost become the, the new group think, is is that, uh, thanks Shanahan, appreciate you. It's uh, it's this whole situation where with so many, he's going to have the whole job, you can't say that about a lot of guys anymore, 
And I firmly believe what I said at the top. I think you, the big difference between the two of us and how I end up there and where you end up where you are is a, you have more receivers in front of that. So we'll throw that in there. That always happens. And B, the other uh, situation is I firmly believe that they're going to be throwing quite a bit at certain points throughout the season. But by the end, I could just see the same thing happening where they can't get it done. They've got injuries. And if Joe Mixon just manages to stay healthy, the, the back half of this year is going to look a lot like the back <laughs> half of last year, where it was a bad O line then too. And you know and what? Just, I, I will say this: based. a lot based. of the um, a lot a lot of the pushback and argument I was getting from people on Joe Mixon last year was, but Giovanni Bernard is still there. He's the pass catching back. Joe Mixon can't catch. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how everybody talks on Twitter in my head. Uh, but but yeah, that was the argument, right? Is that He's not the third down back. Geo is the one that's going to get the pass catching. And then pretty much all last year, Geo was a ghost. And now, according to the industry, he's dead. I agree. I think he has no fantasy value. But it's just funny to me that now we've come a year later full circle. And Giovanni Bernard has literally no impact on how people want to evaluate and look at Joe Mixon. It's funny how one year can really totally move yeah. the needle on one player like that. And and I agree with it because I'm right there with you. I'm actually lowest on Bernard. And I just, it's not even a handcuff at this point. It's just, it's just, he's on the team. There's that, but there's no fantasy value I, he had here. I don't know if I would say that. Is he, is you still think he's the handcuff? Do, I do. do. So in a situation where Mixon is down, you're going to feel okay. I guess it if, would depend on what your other options. Are. That is kind of fair. Because in the, if the volume numbers would translate, right, yeah, if right he himself, now Geo is free. Hurt, yeah, he costs you nothing. You, for, you could, you don't even have to really worry about it. It'd so, I mean, we we've talked about it in years past. If if something were to happen to Joe Mixon, do you really think Travion Williams is going to have that big of a role? Do you really uh, think Rodney Anderson is going to be that much of a featured yeah. back? Maybe he cuts in a little bit, but Giovanni Bernard is basically going to have that whole job to himself if something happens to Joe Mixon or he holds is, out, you know what? No, that is fair. Cause he would hit the waiver column. If Mixon was to go down as we would do the editing on that, I promise so, you that he would, I mean, I, Geo absolutely in my mind, at least if you've got Joe Mixon, he's rosterable. Wh- why not? It's one of the rare situations where he has no value at all as a actual fill in or, or bench player on your fantasy team. But He's absolutely something you can cash if Joe Mixon does get hurt or holds out. Yeah, so he'll have to live on the waiver wire unless he's rostered by the person that yeah. actually ends up drafting Joe Mixon, I would think. That would be the only reason to exercise in this. Because we agree on that, at least. He, him, in and of himself, with Mixon playing... No value. Really, no value, not even... like Maybe rosterable, kind of, but not really. So it's not... It, yeah. All right, so he's still the handcuff. All right, well, I'm glad yep. we... Welcome to Important Nonsense, the show that does the show meeting on the air. Uh, Wide receivers mentioned A.J. Green back. Uh, You've got Tyler Boyd. He's still there as your number two. They also drafted T. Higgins. Some guy named John Ross who I've never heard of because it doesn't (laughs) ring a bell. Twitter would Um, like to have a word with you about (laughs) this. And then Auden Tate, still there. How about that? I'd like to have a word with you. (laughs) Uh, So look at that. There you go. Uh, but A.J. Green, uh, wide receiver 29 in the expert consensus. Tyler Boyd right next to him at wide receiver 30. The ECR loves them some Tyler Boyd. They're all about Tyler Boyd. 
Uh, on our site, our site consensus has Green at 27, Tyler Boyd at 35. I have Green at 29, a little bit lower, and Tyler Boyd at 51. No, thank you. I do not I like. I hate yeah, I Tyler Boyd. Hates Tyler Boyd. Look at this guy. Hates him. I, I've said it for years, and to this point, show me where I've been wrong. Tyler Boyd, when A.J. Green is on the field, pretty useless. And now you add in T. Higgins, which is another mouth to feed that can catch the ball significantly better than John Ross. That's actually the one I like. I, I T. Just... Higgins is a flyer. Like I'm, yeah. I'm highest on him at six, wide receiver 68, and I love at, at 194 overall. I love T. Higgins as a flyer. It's fantastic. There's, there's all kinds of value on that when he inevitably takes, takes over and makes Auden Tate completely useless, and Alex Erickson doesn't make the team, and John Ross ends up back on IR. No offense, but come on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, let's be real. So to me, it's like no, I, it's funny because compared to you, I love Tyler Boyd. Yeah, but right now the ADP, been, by the way, has Tyler Boyd at uh, wide receiver 35 in the eighth round. Yeah, and I have Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 44, 101, and I felt confident that I was going to be the guy going into that the meetings in the offseason about, I am planting my flag on Tyler Boyd is done, and you all are way overpaying. And then you show up to the meeting with your 51, and it just totally derailed everything for this entire conversation for like 30 minutes. But yeah, the industry is still very much a believer in Tyler Boyd and his skill set and that team. And I honestly just do not believe that he is that talented to where they do. And also that they'll throw enough to him to actually be able to cash that projection that they want to try and write. Yeah. No, thank you. No, I mean, I just, I don't get it personally. It it doesn't make sense to me. He's okay. But look and, at how many good wide receivers but, are in that wide receiver 30 range that have better jobs on better teams. Why am I hitching yeah, my star to Tyler exactly. Boyd? The, I'm, There's I'm so many options. So happy to miss out on the Tyler Boyd boom if you want to waste an eighth round pick on him. You you go right ahead. At that point in the draft, I should if I'm in the eighth round, Tyler Boyd, I would certainly maybe think about, I guess, because at that point, eighth round, I'm looking at what, like my sixth wide receiver. So maybe I'm going to be deep like enough on my bench that it's not going to matter. But I, no, it, it, seriously, I, it, if we're in the eighth round and you want to waste a pick on Tyler Boyd, you go right ahead. Tyler Boyd is one of those guys that the people who are zero wide receiver love to tout and they're like oh look at the talent i can get in the back end of the draft again sorry that's how twitter speaks to me i just I, it's got to be me specifically but it, no it's not you specifically <laughs> but it's also going to be offensive to anyone living in the southeast of america i think but anyway i can understand sec football's the best it's mostly because you spend all your time arguing with people who live in green bay and no, that's also or true. no one actually lives in Green Bay, but the, like arguing with people from Wisconsin, and that's not quite the right accent. But I sort of get. Yeah, it. I was trying to change it up from the Cleedy accent, just make it a little different, because I don't want to confuse the listening audience and be like, "Wait, why did the Cleedy love Tyler Boyd?" And to be fair, it's the same level of stupidity. It's just in a different region, uh, so it's just. <laughs> The dialects, that's what I got to work on. Why don't people like you on Twitter? I don't understand. Don't know, but I should change my whole personality. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, that was my favorite comment from yesterday. You should change your whole personality was the topper. I like how he knew he lost the argument, too. It was a good insult. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, yeah. It was pretty well done. I laughed. 
but uh but yeah that's not how you that's it's only in only in debate certain debates that i won't get into because this is not a politics show could that ever be possibly considered like a retort that would actually have caused you to win yeah you hold some water there yeah lap. well you try to take a victory lap and i'm like on what you didn't even refute the point all you did was make an insult and then just woo, run around we did it yeah but why i don't know why people don't like you on twitter or why they might have an issue with some of the things you say to the tone because this is if they don't listen to this they probably hear you like well actually the way that you should look at it that's probably how they hear you this kind yeah, of way that I, kind of I, I can't argue it, with so. that yeah that's probably how that actually manifests but yeah no people are wrong about tyler boyd though to bring it all the way back around to actual content for the show people are wrong about that and uh, no there's so many fantastic wide receivers in that wide receiver 30 range that you can enjoy that don't carry the baggage that tyler boyd does also yep. don't go zero wide receiver just like zero rb was a bad idea folks yeah this is also a bad idea that i'd like yeah, equally th- dumb not a good plan. Do not go into your draft with absolutes. Be like water. Listen to Bruce Lee. He's a very smart guy. He understood this. Just let the draft play out, have values for everybody, and cobble a team together with some level of balance, and you will go so much further than trying to adhere to some ludicrous strategy in a game where human error is a huge part of it. So what I've taken and, from this is we all kind of agree, right around wide receiver 30, AJ Green. We're good with that. <laughs> yes. And, and that... Then Tyler Boyd is so terribly wrong from the public that that's just never going to be owned by anyone who's watched football. And then you've got T Higgins, who's a decent flyer at the end of your draft and the rest of the wide receiver core isn't worth your time. There you go. Not Ross. Well, I want to say not Ross, but not certainly not worth your time. What what is so infuriating is that AJ Green and Tyler Boyd get listed next to each other at 29 and 30. And I'm sitting here like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. There you go. You're right. welcome. Let's to, let's to close out the bank. We got one. The, we got so one let's go to guy. CJ Uzama. Neither one of us have Drew Sample, the backup tight end, ranked, and I think that's right. As well as Mason Shrek. Not worth mentioning. Defense is terrible. For Don't us, Uzama's a flyer that I think makes a lot of sense. A strategy that we have talked about, of course, waiting on quarterback, but zero tight end. If I'm not getting one of those top three guys at the beginning. I'm waiting until the last possible second to fill out my tight end room, and I'll take a shot on two guys and hope that one of them pops, and Uzama, for me, is that guy. I've got him at tight end 19. You've got him at 21. We are of the same mind there. Consensus has CJ Uzama at tight end 40. Not even in a three tight end league do they want you to take TJ Uzama. So Yeah, and, and they're wrong. And there's yeah. very little analysis here other than we've seen CJ Uzama play football for years, and he's got that whole bangle job, which always has value. Just his, can't cash the whole argument against hurt. him is he can't stay on the field, but you can say that uh, about every tight end out there. Everybody right down this low, especially, and also you can make the argument that he's kind of got stone hands, and he kind of does. We've covered that on previous year's shows. For years, we've talked about this. However, look at how much the Bengals actually throw to the tight end. It's a huge part of their offense, and they're not yep. going to change the offense entirely. Also, you need a safety blanket for your rookie quarterback. Got to be somebody to do that. It'll be John Ross. Don't worry, all you John Ross truthers out there. Ugh. All right. Well, I'm going to go over here and vomit while yeah, I we'll think take about a John break Ross while, while that happens. <laughs> playing football, and then we'll be right back for the second half of the AFC North. All right. The Cleveland Browns, the fighting Baker Mayfields. 
They got rid of Freddy Kitchens because that was definitely the problem, nothing else. And they hired former Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski as the new head coach. That'll definitely fix it. He has a history of solving problems between quarterbacks and wide receivers. So this is definitely going to work out very well. Uh, The interior offensive line was top five for run blocking in the league, which I thought was very interesting. However, they ranked 32nd running off the left tackle and 27th running off the right tackle. So if you ran right up the middle with Nick Chubb, profit. But if you tried to run outside, nightmare. And they went out and they added Jack Coughlin off the uh, free agent list from Tennessee, and they drafted Jedrick Wills in the draft. So they hope to have solved their tackle issues to protect Baker Mayfield and run block better. So hopefully the offensive line is completely turned around in Cleveland, and they also signed free agent Austin Hooper, who uh, people can't decide how they feel about that. David Njoku needs to be freed. Free David Njoku. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we got Baker Mayfield. Remember last year, Neil, when Baker Mayfield was a top five quarterback? And we kept telling people what a horrible mistake that was. Remember when he went at QB3 in the home league, in the Golden League? Shout out to the Golden League and all those folks going into like 20 years almost. There's not room for all my genius. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Baker Mayfield. So he is currently currently consensus QB 17. Uh, QB 18 in our staff consensus. I've got him 22, which apparently for you, still too high. You, you hate Baker Mayfield. I do. You despise I Baker do. Mayfield. I do. I am not. I am not going. I'm not going down this well again. This is not something that I'm going to hitch my wagon to, and I would advise that others stay, steer clear of it as well. For all the sarcasm we gave at the top end of this, I feel like you you can get you can clean that. I'm not really a huge fan of a lot of the changes the Browns have made in an attempt to like just fire certain people and then throw money at the problem and pray that that suddenly makes Baker Mayfield a better quarterback. He, I, and what's funny is I like Baker Mayfield as, as like a player kind of individually. I just don't want any part of it for fantasy. It's not consistent enough. And he hasn't demonstrated to me that he's going to be a consistent contributor. And if you look at quarterback, there are so many better options ahead of him that you can have. It is so crazy deep right now at quarterback that no, I don't believe in the changes. I don't believe in that he's going to make the adjustments in one offseason, especially given the current pandemic that he's going to need to make to actually get back to his rookie form. So I'm out on it. And I can tell from your your ranking and projection that you're closer to me than you are to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, in a two quarterback league, absolutely. I'd take Baker Mayfield. Also, sure. uh, again, you're talking about whereas ADP, he's currently going at QB 18, right around expert consensus, right around our staff consensus, 12th round. It's a backup quarterback that I'm playing for one week that I feel like has upside. We've seen him as a top five guy in the past. So, I mean, I don't necessarily hate it. And you look at the weapons, right, that we're about to talk about here. He's got a lot of people that he can throw the ball to and count on. So if you're telling me pick a guy from ADP quarterback 15 and beyond that could finish the year as top five, I mean... Baker Mayfield probably is in that list somewhere. Yeah, certainly, can, it, it, that's fair. I, look, I'm only 20 spots and three Q, three quarterback spots lower than you, though. So not yeah. to overstate it, it's just that where if you're going to try and get him where the industry is saying at QB 17, 
eh, it's a little rich for my blood was really my, it's my, my greater takeaway. Sure. I mean, like I said, it just depends on your league. You got to know who you're playing with and ADP. You're talking about the 12th round. So at that point, it's all dart throws. Anyway, your team should be established. If you don't have a starting quarterback at that point and you're looking at Baker Mayfield to start, then you have some serious problems and you screwed up somewhere else. But you probably need to go make a trade or figure something <laughs> out. But probably need to go a, drink some holy water and start that, praying to Jesus because I think you're in trouble. Uh, running back room. Nick Chubb has been a polarizing guy. I've seen him as high as running back six. Same thing as Joe Mixon. I, I've seen people fall in love with Nick Chubb and his role in the offense. And look, I understand it. The first eight weeks last year when it was his job, he was RB6 in PPR scoring. However, Kareem Hunt came around, and he just punched and pushed his way into that backfield. You see what I did there? You see what I did? High brow. High brow. Never never accuse us of taking cheap shots. Although in never, this case, you know, just like Kareem Hunt. Because it's appropriate uh, when you're talking about Kareem so Hunt. So you've got Kareem Hunt who came in second half of the year. And when he came in the second half of the year, Kareem Hunt was RB24 in PPR scoring. Because, again, that's all we care about. And Nick Chubb was RB15. Not terrible, but certainly not where he was. He was still getting force-fed the ball. You look at the new head coach in the new system with Kevin Stefanski. Where did he come from? Dalvin Cook. Force-fed the football. Highly involved in the offense. The problem with Nick Chubb. If you are getting him in standard or even half point, I love it. He's a top 10 guy, slam dunk for me. But PPR, he's just not used in the passing game. He's going consensus 12. Uh, Our site consensus is 11. We have a lot of Nick Chubb truthers on the staff. I've got him 13. He's going RB10 in ADP. First pick of the second round. That is a high price to pay for Nick Chubb. I mean, look, when you're talking about first pick of the second round, that's 13 overall. I'm thinking if I'm on the turn there, I'm probably taking two wideouts. I'm probably taking a wideout and a tight end. Taking Nick Chubb is your primary guy. If you could get Kelsey there, that's the prime time Kelsey snatch up territory. Like, there you go. Um, I have Nick Chubb right at 12. I've got him two spots lower than the industry consensus, but still my RB12. And I think he will get force-fed the football, kind of like you had alluded to there. I think that's going to be a huge part of it. And as you said, they're solid up the middle, which is where he makes a lot of his hay. So you've got some really positive factors. They're not going to be shy about running the ball under Stefanski. They weren't shy before. So really, the only thing that would worry about me is the is the obvious injury marker that right. applies to everyone. But there's no way that I could sit here with a straight face and say, RB10, first pick of the second round. Yeah, At that's that point, the, that's the that's, that's the rich. damning one, right? Because w- when we're talking about this, uh, again, it feels like you're nitpicking when you say like expert consensus has RB12. I have RB13, you have RB12, and then ADP is RB10. It's like, okay, well, you're all basically in the same neighborhood, right? Well, no, cuz RB13 for me is the 27th pick of the draft. You're talking about the third pick of the third round even for you you've got him at 23 overall that's the second yes. to last would, pick of yep. the second round he yeah. has him at like i said 13 overall 10 spots ahead of where even you would take him yep so that's i, I just mean too rich 
at, at such a high price to pay. And I have said it time and time again, and I will continue to say it. You take the top five dominant running backs, and that's it. And beyond that, RB2 is the most overrated position in fantasy football. After you get out of those top five guys, it's literally flip a coin for me. Why am I going to waste a pick when I can dominate another position? So for Nick Chubb to be going that high at that price, oof, that is a lot. It, it just it it you are paying above sticker to have Nick Chubb, and it just the amount of touchdowns that he is going to have to return for you. When the guy we're going to get into in a, a moment here is a prime time siphon on that scares me just to hell and back, right? Because you're talking about, I'm not, I, if I'm going to take him at 13 overall, I've got to cash RB10 numbers. He's got to be a top 10 running back. But there's another guy that's also sitting there that <clears throat> you're going to tell me that Kareem Hunt's not going to get well, any goal line but work even then, at all? I mean, like, well, that's I, don't, not, I don't think he'll get a lot of goal line not work, a lot, but he does not cut a lot. into he'll the snaps. He'll get some red zone work is my greater point. I guess, the biggest thing here up. is, the, what what's upsetting is, You've got expert consensus, then has Kareem Hunt at RB28. I've got him 31. Our staff has him 31. You have him 30. We all kind of agree. And then ADP is RB27. Like, they're high on Kareem Hunt as well. They just feel like the Browns offense in general, I guess, running the ball is going to be more efficient this year. No, it's the Browns' offense in general for the guy we're going to get into in just one moment when we pivot to wide receiver. They just think that the it's it's a it's not as bad as it was last yeah. year. But my analysis tells me that the industry and people in general, especially well, when you yeah. get into ADPs and rooms and calculators and all that, they just think that the Browns in general are going to be more like the Browns that people expected them to be last year than what I think is going to actually happen. Well, I mean, you talked about the wide receiver room. Obviously, they have OBJ. And they've got Jarvis Landry. Bless him. Uh, they brought back Rashard Higgins, Damian Ratley. Uh, they drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones, Kadrell uh, Hodge. You've got uh, Taewon Taylor's coming back for another year. I mean, they have a bunch of guys, but nobody that I would consider relevant except for the top two. And again, what OBJ, for the longest time, when he was the established guy with really no one to compete with and Eli just staring him down, the DeAndre Hopkins of the NFC East, if you will, <laughs> he was a top five established wide receiver. And now, last year, he goes over. We're talking about Baker Mayfield being an upgraded quarterback and that offense being more in line with what he wants to do and can accomplish. In his career, historically, he has struggled the first half of seasons, so when you draft OBJ, you already have to build in the first six weeks. He's going to basically be a dumpster fire. And now you've got this year where it's going to be even slower going because less preseason, less training camp, less time to work together. It's still a new offense. I know it's the same quarterback, but it's a new system you're learning again he scares the bejesus out of me. And I've got him at wide receiver 19. He's going wide receiver 10 in ADP. He's wide receiver 12 in the expert consensus. Well, that was the point I was alluding to on the front end is I have him at 36 overall wide receiver 16. And again, came into this room thinking I'm going to be the guy who 
is just going to be down on the Browns, down on Baker, down on everybody effectively except Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm right in line on Hunt, and I'm a little bit, I'm basically right on line on Chubb. Down on Baker, down on Odell, and, you know, probably my normal high spot on Jarvis Landry. But what's been fascinating is I'm always historically high on Jarvis Landry, except for this year. And I'll get, I'll get in, I'll get are you not, in are you not thirsty? Yeah, you're, I'll get into this. You, I'll get into, you don't I'll get want into the juice? A moment. Bless you. You're ruining you don't my want the juice? and my ability to own Jarvis Landry. Jeopardy because of you. And uh, what I'll tell you is, is that Odell Beckham, though, I'm like, I thought I was going to be down on him until I saw what you were doing. You got him at 41. But the thing that I don't understand, and this is why I led on the front end with my allusion to the idea that I think the people think the Browns are going to be closer to what they were, the hype train was last year than what they ended up being. And also not quite that level, but still they're going to outkick last year. Why? We talked about it before. I've got him at 36 wide receiver 16. You're talking about wide receiver 10, the eighth pick of the third round. What? For a guy that's a notorious slow starter with injury concerns, with everything else that goes on with that, with all the baggage. What? So you just think he's going to return to form automatically? I thought 12 was insane. And we had to talk our guys down to 14. I just don't understand this at all. I'm not understanding what people are seeing. So when we do our projections, our projections actually came out with Beckham at 15. Uh, 73 catches for 10-17 and 6 touchdowns was wide receiver 15. uh, Landry came in at wide receiver 31. So compared to where our numbers projected out, they were a little bit higher on Landry and a little bit higher on Beckham. But for the most part, right in line with what we projected the numbers to be. The problem for me is we have Beckham projected at 125 targets and Landry at 111. I think that's actually reversed. Flipped. Yeah, yeah it could I, be. I, I oh, feel like well Jarvis Landry is going to lead this team in targets. I feel like he is going... Again, people want to talk about the hip injury. Look what he did last year. Look at the numbers that he put up last season. The predict- He was a top 20 wide receiver the entire second half of the year with the fractured hip. Do you understand how horribly painful and what a unbelievable act that was to go through the entire second half of the year from week four on with that injury, play through it, and now that he has played a whole season with it, had the surgery to repair it, people want to knock him because he had the surgery. Are you kidding me? Or is oh, this? Oh, that's the that's the are, beef that are I we have serious? With, with one of our staff what? writers, Mr. Jack, who will write nameless Jack, with your whole narrative about how he won't be healthy at the beginning of the season. I disagree, sir. I disagree. Do you not understand that Jarvis Landry is a warrior? I mean, that man has a pain tolerance that you can't even begin to understand. That his pain tolerance is like on god level to even be able to run. Let me let me kick you in the hip a couple times and then see if you want to go run. Like to go through and, and, and all catch. of that last year and put up the numbers he put up injured. Now you're telling me he's back healthy. He's on, according to every report we've seen, he is on pace to start the season 100% healthy, full go. There's nothing holding him back. To me, I have Beckham and Landry, like I said, I have, I have Landry at 23. I am higher than everybody on Jarvis Landry, and I'm a-okay with that. Because I feel like he's going to get back to where he was. I'm still a little higher on Beckham just because he's the big play guy. And he may end up with more red zone looks and touchdowns because of it. But Jarvis Landry is a guy that I will absolutely feel good about if he's my wide receiver too. 
yeah, the volume should be there. His catch radius is insane. He catches everything you throw at him. Right, like, and just the volume out of the slot. Yep, and that's how that offense has run historically. We'll see if it continues to run that way, but I think that anybody with eyesight when they see him on the field automatically usually just kind of assumes, yeah, that guy can play. Let's just get him, make sure we get him the ball as much as possible. So that's, to me, Odell I'm staying away from, you know, and 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 Juice is the one that, that you want. But that's not different from us, really, and for fans of the podcast and the website. <laughs> that's not different than any other year. It's just year on year. But uh, so let's move on. The only thing really you could argue about the target share and the checkdowns with Landry, because again, when he boomed last year, not only was he hurt, but he boomed in the second half of the year when Kareem Hunt was playing. So the argument that Kareem Hunt is going to take those short checkdowns doesn't hold water. They went out and paid Austin Hooper, though. So if you want to tell me that Austin Hooper could cut into it, I could absolutely see that. However, not adding another outside receiver, not adding another threat in the passing game other than Hooper, just leads me to believe that after they saw how terribly they were blocking, as I alluded to at the beginning here, that they're just going to play a lot of two tight end sets. Like, what's that team up north? Oh yeah, Minnesota, where Stefanski <laughs> just came from. They're going to play a ton of two tight end sets with Njoku and Hooper, to try to block, make more lanes for Nick Chubb, uh, get more opportunities for Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, and also just have Landry and Beckham on opposite sides and use them as the primary pass catchers. So I feel like, yes, Austin Hooper is absolutely going to have a role in the passing game, but is it is it as much as people want to believe? I don't know. Uh, the expert consensus is tight end nine, and our staff consensus tight end nine. I've got him at tight end 11 because I'm just skeptical. I, I don't know if I could rely on it. And ADP has him tight end 13. They're less sure than I am. People hate Austin Hooper, except for me. But maybe except that's just ranking. because they apparently they love Odell Beckham and they just think he's just going to get they, all the targets. And this is my problem is that I the way I have this ranked, Austin Hooper is going to cut into everything here. I actually have Austin Hooper 69, 70 overall. Tight end seven. He was the number one tight end in fantasy last year before he went down. I understand that that was on a different team, folks. I'm well aware of it. Here's the thing. They run a very similar offense. Hey, did you know that was on a different team? It was. It was. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you knew. One of them has a bird, a birdie, and the other one has like this weird like fighting leprechaun thing sometimes. And then also like, you know, like the dog pound. It's kind of weird, but the helmets are brown. Like, I get it. I understand. But before he was hurt, he was finally kind of getting grooved in and they're going to run a very similar style offense. A lot of two tight end sets, a lot of volume for Hooper. Also when Baker Mayfield throws, he's much more efficient when he's working the middle of the field. They need to get him somebody that can reliably do that. That isn't Jarvis Landry, because to your point before, this is a big part of my logic. They didn't get another good outside receiver. It's the same stable of guys that haven't been good in forever. And Odell and Jarvis play in the slot. So to me, it's like Hooper, Hunt, Jarvis, and Odell can all coexist in the same ecosystem out there at the same time. Because there's like there's just nobody else that's going to cut into that. Those are your pass catchers. Look, that's I'm how just that's going to work. All right, you just go out, you let the reinstatement happen, and then you just re-sign Josh Gordon. Just put the band back together, Neil. Put, <laughs> put the band back together. You know, one last there's tour. Also, there was also this guy named Antonio Brown that. 
I think would look hilarious in a Browns uniform if they wanted to. Look, if they wanted to make that happen. About that. All right, that's not funny. Uh, All right. Josh that, yeah, Gordon no, is objectively soon. hilarious, but too soon for you. But, but oh, Antonio I forgot. Brown's you still have, not funny. You still have traumatic stress disorder from from the season where we had to cover Antonio Browngate. I forgot about that. It's, that's right. Look, well, if Antonio Brown wants to sign on a team where the wide receivers don't matter like Baltimore, you go right ahead. But you stay away from my DK Metcalf and you stay <laughs> away from my Jarvis Landry. All right? <laughs> Yeah, if you uh, decides there, you're gonna have to redo your I whole rank. I refuse to let that happen. Thing. Stop trying to make this whole thing. happen. It's not going to happen. Stop! It's not gonna happen. Just stop it. But yeah, that's why I have Austin Hooper at tight end seven because I believe in him coming onto that team cold than I do in the idea that Odell Beckham is gonna return to form somehow on his third new offense in three years, coming off a million injuries as a slow starter. Uh, that's just the way I, I choose to evaluate this. It's more their offense. It's how they've historically done things. They don't take a huge amount of deep shots. They take some but not accurately. All right, let's move on to the Steelers because the Browns' defense isn't worth talking about. So the Steelers uh, get Big Ben back, again, theoretically. And they also signed some guy named Eric Abron. Never heard of him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know feel, what that is. I feel like he's like a basketball player. Um, Certainly not something I'm interested in for fantasy purposes. Definitely That's not. <laughs> so Ben Roethlisberger... Uh, QB 15 in the expert consensus, QB 17 with our staff. I've got him at 23, and it's just because we've seen what he did last year, and I'm terrified <laughs> that it'll happen again. Just he's he's so old at this point, Neil. I, I'm I'm very nervous. He is. I've got him two QB spots higher, QB 21, and I've been puzzled by this since I first saw it when we were going through our projections, but also just the Fantasy Pros ECR. Very confused by the idea that people are ready to just sign up like Ben Roethlisberger's arm didn't explode on national television in a way that looked insanely painful and uh, and borderline well, career-ending this like, season. Like, the argument is that every season that he's played start to finish, or at least a majority of the season, uh, because you know he's never played a full 16-game season. Uh, so every season that he's played, you know, the majority of, he has had productive numbers he's put up big numbers and been a decent fantasy player but over the last two three years before last year we were talking about ben roethlisberger in the 11 to 15 range anyway like that was kind of his ceiling remember the years of you can't start roethlisberger on the road remember that remember that Oh, I do remember that. How you can only start Big Ben at Heinz Field because he's top five, and the numbers bared it out that he was a top five quarterback at home, but he was in the 20s on the road. Uh, atrocious. So the home road splits were real. Last year, he was going to break all those narratives that everyone talked about, and now, all of a sudden, he gets hurt, misses a whole season, and people seem to have forgotten who Ben Roethlisberger is. Look, they're going to put up the numbers at home. I'll give you that. But can he stay healthy for a majority of the season? And will the numbers at home be enough to outweigh the terrible road numbers he puts up? And I don't think that happens. That's fair. That is all entirely fair. The home road splits with Ben have been real for a very long time. There's a huge amount of data to back this up. And I know we've spent years saying home road splits aren't a thing, but they are in this case, which is fascinating because it's so rare that that actually happens. And uh, I, again, you couple the home road splits with also just the idea that he had the year off and 
who knows what kind of shape he's going to come back in with the pandemic and how has he really been working out? He's another year older. And again, that was a non-contact injury in his elbow that just, it looked like that was going to be the final, the final chapter right there that day. So the idea that I think that he's going to come back at full strength and unscathed and stay that way is the more important thing. Yeah. Too risky for me. Not with the other options at quarterback with, with, frankly, more upside. All right, let's move on to running back. The one that's very interesting to me, James Conner, let's start there, first and foremost. Focused in on him. RB20 in the expert consensus, 24 in our staff consensus. I've got him at RB29. So for me, we've seen James Conner. Remember last year when James Conner was a top 10 draft pick? Oh, oh I remember that. Oh, those are the days. Simpler time. We've seen James Conner behind a decent offensive line. You can't blame the line. It's a good line in Pittsburgh. We've seen him struggle. We have seen them do everything they possibly can to try to find a replacement and move on from James Conner. They have very publicly said they're not interested in paying James Conner at the end of this season. So at the very least, I feel like they are moving on and someone else will be the starting running back next year. Again, we'll get into that in a second. But they hate James Conner. I mean, not as much as I hate James Conner, but they hate James Conner. I've got him at RB29. I am way out on James Conner. I will not own him in any leagues. I feel like it is too much of a risk with his injury history, as well as, like I said, he just doesn't get the volume. He doesn't get involved in the offense, and when he does... He's not very productive. He's RB20 in the ADP. I don't understand it. If Again, this is another situation where he's he's going at pick 310. So if somebody wants to waste the last pick of the third round on James Conner, you go right ahead. Have fun. Enjoy trying to pick up the guy we're going to talk about a second in a second, likely, or make a trade for this guy, because that's probably going to be how that is. But no, I'm right there with you. I've got him at 76, RB28. The idea that people are drafting him as RB20 makes me nauseous. Like, it physically pains me to see that because it's just the fact that he's rated that way and that the industry believes that that's appropriate is also vexing to me. And they're just like, no, that's fine. That's fine. No, it's just fine. No, no, it's not fine. It's demonstrably not fine. We've seen him struggle. We've seen him be injured. And also, but then, then we'll do my thing. But Neil, how could you make that argument before about Mark Ingram and the rental car? And oh, then that's not how Twitter talks to you? I like it. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. And that's how they talk to me. And so it's like, well, here's the thing. The Ravens don't hate Mark Ingram. Okay? And, 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 and that's part of this here, is that the Steelers are visibly frustrated with James Conner's inability to stay on the field. They are telling you loudly. They're doing everything but directly saying it, that we do are not sold on this player this is somebody that has been has caused us issues and just he hasn't been efficient enough and he's just been too injured for what they're going to ask a player to do hence why we end up in the draft getting into I'll just I'll just seed the floor because this is your segment right here fourth so. round pick Anthony McFarland he is a guy that I believe could end up as the starter this year 100% next year but this year is a guy that could end up taking over that backfield Expert consensus has him going at RB60. Our staff consensus, 61. He is going undrafted in the ADP. The one that puzzles me is Jalen Samuels. I feel like we've seen enough of that at this point to know that it's not very good. Uh, The expert consensus is 71. 
Our staff is 68. I've got him 68. You've got him 68. The ADP is 58. So the public clearly sees that James Conner is on the outs, and yet, despite a year's worth of data, they still believe that Jalen Samuels would be the guy to take over if something were to happen to James Conner. He has a standard deviation of 12.4. So what am I saying when I say standard deviation? He's going at the 14th pick, or I'm sorry, he's going in the 14th round, pick one. With a 12.4, that means on average, Jalen Samuels is going anywhere between the first pick of the 13th round and the first pick of the 15th round. It's, It's a wide area he's being drafted in at the back end of the draft. That's the ninth largest standard deviation of any running back in the league in ADP. So the public is all over the place in the back end of the draft, but at least they're taking him. Well, Whereas McFarland, I think they think he's the handcuff to Connor, and that's yeah. how, where do you want to pay to get your handcuff? I think is is what you're witnessing with that standard. For me, I've got Anthony McFarland at 142 overall, running back 48. He is a guy I am all in on that I'm absolutely taking a flyer on. That he could be nothing for the first 10 weeks, just wasting a roster spot for me, and I'm a okay with that because by the second half of the season, I 100% believe he can be the guy. And he put up the numbers in college and was productive enough in college to make me believe that he can be as productive, if not more so, than James Conner for literally nothing. Costs me nothing to have him on my roster right now. And I highlighted Anthony McFarlane on our sheet here because he has a standard deviation in the expert consensus, Neil, of 52. (laughs) 52! So his expert content says average rank is 199 overall, running back 60. So with a standard deviation of 52, that means on average, he is landing in people's rankings anywhere from 147, and again, I've got him at 142, all the way up to 251. People in the industry have no clue where to plot Anthony McFarlane, and for me, it is on the high side I am all in on this kid. I'm right behind you. I'm at 156, running back 52, and it speaks a lot because we don't normally buy in on rookies, but Anthony McFarlane Jr. has found himself in quite the situation here with... Mm, well, th- there's a difference, but I get there, it. I, I get it. Th- as a general point, obviously we could talk about your your Jonathan Taylors, your DeAndre Swift, and uh, I, I, I understand. <laughs> my, my greater point is, though, it's at running back 52, I feel like that's right because at that point, if you're talking about... It's weird because people seem to understand, if you go by the numbers we just gave you, that Jalen Samuels is not that good. And they don't value him for very much because you're talking about the 13th round, which is all dart throws, or the 15th round, which is even it's like literally the last player you're going to take. And you're kind of at that point kind of telling on yourself like, hey, we value this guy as a, as a group to not that much. Normally, people are in on the shiny new toy, though. And this is the rare example of, no, it's not that. Give me the... The guy that we saw just frankly be not that great. And we're even acknowledging that he's not that great by what we're willing to give up to acquire him. But nobody wants Anthony McFarlane Jr. at all, apparently, except for the rare odd ducks like us, where you're saying 147 is the high side as far as the ECR is concerned, except for you. Yeah, so I mean, like that, I said, look, when you're when you're talking about us being out on rookies, you are absolutely right. When we're out on rookies, though, it's guys like Dobbins 
yes. who are going at RB32, who are going in a range where you would already have to be drafting them as a usable flex right now, That's sight fair. unseen, That's an clarification to make. when there basically is no guarantee of what their role is going to be. McFarlane cost me nothing at the back end of the draft, so I'm I'm 100% on board with taking a flyer. No, he's a flyer just like yeah. T. Higgins that we talked about yeah. earlier, where T. Higgins also a rookie, but it doesn't cost you anything, and he's right. in a decent situation, so it could come good for you pretty quickly, and there's literally only upside on it. But I think we drilled that home. That's the one you want to own. I'm, I'm not interested in Benny Snell, not interested in Kareth White, doesn't matter. McFarland's a guy that's an Kareth upside White, for me for sure. On the waiver wire, and there you go. <laughs> that's uh, we'll so that wide receiver back on the juju train. He was a top ten projected guy last year. He's currently wide receiver ten in expert consensus. Thirteen for our staff. You and me have him at twelve. So does the ADP. I don't think there's a lot to discuss here. Talked no, about there is the closeout show last that- year that I thought he was going to be super undervalued. It looks like he's right in where he should be. So. Yeah, and we're uh, and and we're the only reason we're down on that with is our is our one editor Aiden who despises Juju Smith Schuster for reasons that I do not think are logical. So let's talk about the one that people are way too high on. Uh, wide receiver forty one, Deontay Johnson, expert consensus wide receiver forty one, our staff consensus wide receiver forty two, ADP wide receiver thirty four. People love Deontay Johnson. They, they keep saying, look at the route running. What, watch the tape. I've watched the tape. I've seen the film. I've watched him play. I don't get it. What, what, <laughs> what is it that you are loving so much about Teontay Johnson? We went into last year pounding the table that, oh, hey, the wide receiver two in Pittsburgh has value. Always go get Dante Moncrief. It is such a steal to get Dante Moncrief at his price. Grab yourself some Dante Moncrief. Deontay Johnson is 2020 Dante Moncrief, and you want to pound the table at me and tell me that it's somehow different. I will see your Deontay Johnson, and I will raise you a Chase Claypool because I would much rather take a flyer on Chase Claypool at the end of the draft for once again nothing. He's going undrafted currently, and I have him only 16 spots behind Deontay Johnson. I have Deontay Johnson at 56 and Claypool at 72. There is not that big of a gap to me. I think Claypool emerges as the wide receiver two on this roster. I think it's going to be Claypool and Washington on the outside, or or Claypool and Johnson on the outside, I'm sorry, with uh, Smith-Schuster in the slot and Washington fighting with all of them to try to get on the field. But Claypool, for me, is the guy that has the upside to be the number two, and I'd have to spend an eighth-round pick if I want Deontay Johnson. No, thank you. No, 100% on that. I'm not as out on it as you are. I've got him at 128, wide receiver 52. But compared to where what you'd have to pay to get him, you're talking about Tyler Boyd craziness again. Like We're not we're not doing this whole segment again, are we? No, 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 no. There's no way. It's also, the same thing. People... People forget about the chemistry issues as well to layer onto that with that Roethlisberger always has. He's got chemistry with Juju. We know that they've played together for a while and he trusts him. 
Deontay Johnson didn't even come on really with Roethlisberger on the field. Are they going to have any kind of chemistry together? I don't know. He won't. I know he won't throw you the ball if he doesn't like you. And I referenced James Washington. Yeah, we know he like, hates I James Washington. That. So that's the yeah, reason I didn't that. include that. <laughs> and so Chase Claypool becomes interesting to me because at least he hasn't upset the old man yet. And we'll see what happens. But I think Claypool, with the skill set that he has and what they're going to ask him to do, is a logical choice here. And to your point, you know, you, there's no investment on it. So if you're telling me that I actually have to pay up real capital to, to own Deontay Johnson, I will happily let someone else invest in that. And I'll take Claypool at the end of my draft and I'll look for receivers elsewhere. We, we don't have to get all our receivers from the AFC East. Like that's, we don't need that. So there's no, there's no way. Again, to me, when you look at the numbers, unless Claypool literally does nothing and Johnson absorbs all of it, even if that's the case, wide receiver 34 to me is Deontay Johnson's ceiling. You're it's literally paying sticker. his full price right now. And and I feel like there's a little to no chance that he actually cashes in that investment. Way too high, way too metrics, crazy. The boom bust metrics on him would lead that would lead the, uh, us to that conclusion. That there's no way that realistically he could outkick wide receiver 34. He'd have to have a career, career season to do it. And it's just there's so many things working against him that I find it unlikely that that's going to be the case here. Well, let's move on, Neil, to a guy who is someone that we love on this show. One of our favorites. And he did it. He finally ranked number one in a category. I'm so proud of him. Four years in. Eric Ebron signs with the Steelers. He is expert consensus, tight end 19. He is going... We've got him 20 in our staff consensus, I've got him 23 because who wants to own Eric Ebron? I've got him uh, 22. You've got him 22. Same reason. Uh, ADP is 18, but, but, standard deviation in his ADP is 21. <laughs> there you go. So Eric Ebron, two full rounds of standard deviation, which means on average he's going anywhere from the 12th to the 16th round in ADP right now. Do I want to own Eric Ebron in any way, shape, or form? No. And you can go back and check the record because literally the minute he signed, I said I'm so excited to not care about Eric Ebron this year. Yep. Don't really need to spend a lot That's of time it. on it, folks. Not really That's worth it. it. Not really uh, worth it. Vance McDonald also not worth it. To be Close well, to be fair, that. as much as I hate Eric Ebron just individually, if he owned the job to himself, that would be a different argument. But once again, like he dealt with all throughout his time in Indianapolis, there is another guy in Vance McDonald who people have touted for years as having the upside and potential to be a top ten fantasy tight end. He's still there. They kept him on the roster. They re-signed him, for crying out loud. So they want to run two tight end sets. They want to utilize both guys in the offense in some way, shape, or form. So Vance McDonald, not dead yet. Eric Ebron still doesn't have the whole job to himself. The only time he's had the whole job to himself in his career, he blew it. He blew it in Detroit. Blew it. Was a malcontent, and then that was the end of that. That was it. Yep, he did. He also dropped so many passes that if you put a supercut together of it, Amari Cooper would be like single tier. If you were like, to look it's... up professional football's all-time bonehead plays, you'd find Eric Ebron. <laughs> it would just True. be like a montage of Eric Ebron plays. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll close it out. We got the defense, uh, Steelers D. I've got them number one. They're bringing back a lot of those guys. After they made the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick last year with Miami, they dominated the second half of the season. They've got a full season of them this year. For me, if you're going to pay the price for a, for a defense, which you should not, they are the one I want to own. Uh, I'm ahead of the expert consensus by one spot. I'm ahead of you and the ADP by three. So, Yeah, I have them at four, and it's the I'll same message. i the crazy guy. I, That's fine. I have, it's, it's fine. I agree with everything you're saying to an extent. Mm-hmm. It's just they're going to be good. I'm not disputing any of that. I'm at four. They're going to be good even if what you say doesn't come fast. Yeah. So I don't really worry about it, and just don't overpay. It's the same message all the time. Just because you see him rated high doesn't mean just don't overpay. Yep. But that's going to wrap up the AFC North for this week. Next week, we are going to get into the AFC East. Uh, Neil, any final thoughts? Where can the people find you on the socials? You can find me on Twitter and on the Fantasy Life app at nonsense underscore Neil. And we are always on there uh, starting at the season, getting in there with my man, Wes Smith. We're going to be doing some uh, some trade some trade talk on Wednesdays, uh, helping people kind of navigate through that. And we'll have our first trade table coming out this coming Wednesday, 7-8. And the, other, the only other thing that I would have for people is just stay safe. Crazy times out there. Stay inside as much as you can. And uh, we'll ca- I'm, as far as that, we'll catch you next Wednesday. Yeah, you can follow the site, of course, on the Fantasy Life app, as Neil mentioned, the Important Nonsense community. Of course, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, it is at NonsenseFF. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you're listening. Give it a old five-star review. We appreciate it. We love you. And uh, you can follow me at nonsense underscore Steve. Until next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!